ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Big Thoughts, number one podcast about the Big Ten. Here are your hosts, Spencer Kleinschmidt, Marcus Pierce, and Peter Che. Um, before we start the show, uh, there's something that is a probably bigger than sports and beyond sports and beyond um, competing as an athlete, but B, it can't be understated how impressive this is as an athlete. Um, not only for, you know, most humans will never, ever do this in their life. But, um, again, ap- apologies for butchering his name. But Chris, Chris Nickick, uh, Nisik, Nickick was the, the first man with Down syndromes to complete an Ironman. Um, and that can't go uh, without stating that is impossible. You know, that's an – uh, um, those events are set up for no one to be able to finish them. You know, the, the thought, the idea of setting it up is that no one can accomplish this, let, let alone having uh, uh, an ailment or a disability potentially. And, and to do what he did, I, I hope um, we see, uh, or, you know, another, another person paving the way in sports. And I hope that we now continue, continue to see, a wave of inclusion where, hey, you know, may that I, I, anyways, before I really start screwing up my words, I hope we see more of this and congratulations to him. And I, I hope we uh, see a lot of people walking on, you know, on broken glass tonight because of him. Um, anyways. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Big Thoughts, Big Ten Thoughts. Um, I'm Marcus. I'm joined by Spencer and Peter, as always. How are you boys doing? Um, I assume you're in Egan and Minneapolis. Yes. Yep. That's that's accurate. That's a good assumption. You know what they say about assumptions, so or about assuming, right? What? what you say? It makes an ass out of you and me. Oh. Do you get it? Because yeah, that's A S S U M E. Get it? Yeah. Yeah. I do. How long have you, how many times have you been able to say that joke in your life? This might be the fourth time, maybe <laughs> ever, maybe ever. Peter, what's up, dude? Dude, I'm good. I've been playing a lot of chess lately. Nerd. Peter, you should watch. There's this Netflix movie about a guy who goes over to Russia in the Cold War and he takes on this like big Russian dude and then the CIA wants him to like steal his secrets. It's crazy. It had to be there. Dude, it's sweet. No, it's on Netflix. You should check it out. It's called no, the brought... in... oh, what's it called? The coldest game, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah, um it. speaking of Sorry man. Speak speaking of Netflix, uh the Chappelle show is on there. And that's like a big win for all of society because that is like class A comedy. Um, anyways, Spencer, please, would you like to introduce our guest for this episode? Yeah. So, uh, in this episode, we have Matthew Feldman, AKA the bot. Um, he knows a lot of sports statistics. He, uh, a current, um, what would you call it? A computer jockey, a computer or, uh, a statistical analysis, analyst, a statistical analyst. analyst. We're going to go with that at sport radar in, uh, Minneapolis, a proud gopher alumni and, uh, a great friend. So, Matthew, well, how's, how's it going, man? It's good. How are you guys? Good. So, are you Jonah Hill in Moneyball? 
I like to think that I am. I like to think that I'm trying to get there. I just bought uh, Bill James's uh, baseball almanac, the 78 one, after me and Spencer watched Moneyball a couple <laughs> weeks ago. So, well on my way. Yeah, we're literally sitting there, and he's like, who, who wrote that book? And I'm like, oh, man, I think it was like James something. He looked, he's like, Bill James, should, should, I, should I buy this book? I'm like, sure, man, go for it. And then like two days later, a package came. I'm like, no way. Is it actually the book? And sure as shit, Bill James is a, uh, a proud new coffee book, coffee table book for us. So Is there like $8 on Amazon? Oh, yeah. You guys are in the same house. Why aren't you recording together? Because I didn't want the reverb from the computer. Smart. Oh no! On I'm audio. Just, I'm saying I'm saying like you should have just sat next to each other and used your one mic on one computer. But no, I know, but the yeah, the speakers. True. So Never mind. I'm not a baseball guy at all. Is Billy <laughs> Bean is he still with the Athletics, or is he gone? Is he alive? Is he? I think, oh, yeah. he, I think he is still with them, but I can't yeah. remember. No, but he has he has some deal where. He's getting so there's this group that wants to buy Fenway Fenway Sports Group, which is like the subsidiary that owns the Red Sox, and he is a part of that group that's going to potentially buy them. And he can't be with the A's if he like if he buys or oh, if, because, if that group buys the Red Sox or like has a share in the Red Sox because then it's mom. because you know why in like 1880s there was two teams and they had the same owner and the dude just took all the good players from one team and just traded them to the other team. And then the other team won the championship before it was the world series. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like a conflict of interest. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That's the verbiage. So um, we can get into that all, uh, all later or whatever, but let's get into some big time football to start. Uh, your guys, all your guys' boys finally got their first dub of the year. Um, how, how are we feeling about that? Um, and, and now what's the outlook on the season in your guys' opinion? I didn't catch the game on Saturday. It was good to see the boys won. Um, how did Mo do? I, I saw a lot of tweets about him. Did he just huge, huge game. Regular old thing. How many, what did he go for stat-wise? Matthew? I believe he went for 224. And three four touchdowns? Four more touchdowns. Four? <laughs> He's got ten toddies in three games. Jeez. So, talk so, about a Doak Walker Award, you know, front runner for sure. Um, I've been trying to get the Mo for Heisman. Try to get that trending on Twitter, you know. <laughs> if he keeps putting up these numbers, I mean, he'll end up with, what, well, four times. How many games did the Big Ten play? Eight? Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's what 26 32 that's 32 so four times it's 32 that's almost an fbs record if you put up 32 touchdowns in eight games i mean the fbs record's like 38 in a season so that's right there i mean continue with the yards i mean i don't see how you know if he's a keeps on this tear how he doesn't win the heisman trophy yeah, I'd say for that to happen like i agree that those stats would definitely put him there but uh the, the way the voting works, it seems like much like MVP, unless you put up stupid, stupid, just outrageous stats, you have to be on a winning team. So for that to happen, the Gulfs are going to have to keep piling on or, you know, like seemed like something changed though on Saturday. Um, I, 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 just in my opinion, a little bit that I watched of it, 
they went away from all the bullshit running around at the line of str- scrimmage. They still ran the play actions that they had to, but not as much uh, RPO, like full-blown. Yeah. Well, and two, I think it helps that we played Illinois. I mean, they had a fourth and goal punt from the 50, so that that, that always works. But um, I really – I don't know. I think that the offense might be kind of figuring some things out, obviously. And, I mean, if, you're, if your running back is getting 240 yards per, per game, you know, averaging that, I mean, that's – that's a step in the right direction for sure. I definitely think that the defense still has a lot of room to grow, but this is one of those games. that's a big confidence builder. Uh, Matthew, I know you were watching it right alongside of me. What did you, what did you find in that? Well, it was, uh, it was good to, to play a team like Illinois and then execute the way that I wanted them to against a team like Illinois. That makes sense. Mm-hmm going into Illinois and then winning big was was good for the team other than or better than coming in winning by a touchdown then you really know stuff's not stuff's not right there and it's it's uh you look at our record at one and two and you think it's you think it's you know it's it's bad through three games it's certainly not where we thought we were going to be as gophers but you know, we're an extra point away possibly from being two and one at the very worst. And we're learning, or at least I think that Maryland's not, not too bad of a team right now, or maybe Penn state's just garbage, but we'll find out when they play Ohio state on Saturday. But I thought it was good to, to take that amount of, I guess, pent up aggression and, you know, disappointment and take it out on a team like Illinois. And I was glad that we could do that in a way that I thought we could have. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And it had, like you said, Maryland really doesn't look as bad as maybe people were thinking. And as they were, you know, making fun of the Gophers and saying, wow, this Gopher team really is not going to live up to expectations. But when, when you knock off a team and again, you know, maybe we don't know what Penn state is, but they only lost to Indiana on a last second kind of like fluke play if you will. And, you know, maybe they're not that bad of a team either. They're a couple bad breaks away. I mean, Maryland kind of gave them like the what's up, but I don't know. I, I feel good about the Gophers. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys want to say anything else about the Illinois game or if we want to try to talk about the Iowa game coming up here. Cause I think that's a pretty big matchup too. That'll tell us that'll be the real benchmark. Um, before we move on to that uh, quick little Penn state action, Things don't look awesome in the old Happy Valley right now. I mean that 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 was pretty ugly. I think that you know, as ironically as it now has been, I think Maryland is better than we thought. But I think Penn State, uh, I think there might be, you know, certainly not what they are or have been the last six, seven years, or you know, and historically, but. It doesn't feel great there right now. I, I don't know what uh, their restrictions around campus were leading into the season. I don't know, like, what their personnel, if they have any issues with personnel like Minnesota had the first two weeks. Or, you know what I mean? So, we'll see what that looks like. Uh, as of right now, I would have to imagine, and maybe it's out, Matthew, if you know this, what's the betting line this weekend for Ohio State, Penn State? I'd have to imagine it's plus 13 and a half. It is Ohio State is favored by 25. 
Oof. Yeah, Ooh. on the road. Who are you taking? The plus 25 Penn State? I <laughs> I mean, I don't, <laughs> I, would, I don't want to bet anything. I don't want to touch Penn State with a 10-foot pole right now. But that uh, – and I feel like Ohio State's just big brother to Penn State and has been for most of the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, I, it, it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, Justin Fields is pretty nasty. Uh, I think right now he's, you know, obviously the body size is something that will probably not allow him to eclipse uh, Trevor Lawrence in the draft. But mm-hmm. I, his, his body of work that he's putting together is maybe going to make a few people go, hmm, Maybe Justin Fields would be the right guy, but I digress. Uh, upcoming this week, Iowa, Minnesota. What's the approach? Uh, and where where's the game at this week? Game is in Minneapolis, so TCF Bank Stadium. Are they Friday go- night, six p.m. under the lights. Are they letting people in or no? No, I mean fam. I think they're I think they're allowing family, maybe of the players. I I don't know for sure on that, but I know that the Michigan game there were there was small family there because I'm pretty sure they had uh, Tanner Morgan's parents were there. I think I saw. Yeah. They had a uh, family inside the stadium. Uh, but anyways, well, keys to the game and what, what do you see being the, the, the biggest strength this week for Minnesota? And what do you see being a, a one of the bigger issues? And not, and not like a broad term of like, Oh, defense is going to be an issue. Like what, is like more specifically going to potentially be an issue. Well, I'll let Matthew jump in on this one right away. I know you've been doing some research, chomping at the bit. So, yeah. So it's a, uh, it's a little hard to, to gauge right here. <laughs> Minnesota's best asset, their run game is I think Iowa's best is their run defense. They're, I think as 14th in the FBS and, uh, yards, rush yards per game allowed. So it's going to come down to, first of all, is Minnesota's offensive line going to be healthy? They haven't had their healthy starting five for any of their three games. And then if they do have to throw the ball, which isn't a terrible thing, is someone other than Rashad Bateman going to step up and catch the ball? Because we saw – first quarter against Illinois, anyone that was not number zero was dropping passes, cutting routes off, just doing stuff that you can't really afford when you can't run the ball. Luckily against Illinois, the Gophers were, uh, were able to run the ball very effectively and they figured that out. But if, uh, if Minnesota has to pass the ball, then they're going to need someone other than Rashad Bateman to step up. I think that uh, I, I can never I can never pronounce his name or say it correctly. Chris Ottenham Bell. Yeah, uh, I think I think he's been pretty nice this year and has uh, stepped up in a decent way. Uh, tight ends have been, kind of been lacking in uh, ball trust with the hands. No. Yeah, but we didn't really use tight ends last year a whole lot. I mean, when you when you have the wide receiver core that we have, it's it's tough to get those guys involved, especially with the heavy run game that we have. I think a lot of them are kind of designed as 
more blocking tight ends. So like a comparison would be like a Mercedes Lewis and the Packers. Like, yeah, he'll catch, you know, one or two a game, but if he's running out to be a route, it's like, you know, a five out or a five in, it's nothing, nothing fancy for sure. Which um, kind of surprised me because we have a guy who's six, seven, and I thought that we would use him a lot in red zone opportunities. And he just hasn't gotten either, either the route to run or the way like to do it. He hasn't gotten open. Okay. So agree or disagree like when you you know say is great receiving core but the offensive line isn't healthy and or is just, or, you know is out for various reasons whatever you have these athletes at tight end you people know that you have a good receiving core and know that Mo Ibrahim is very clearly heating up with a beat up uh offensive line I would be just preaching every day in the film room and, and changing plays to 10 yard slants for the tight end. So you can get the ball out of Tanner Morgan's hands. So you don't have to, you know, on those deep routes, he needs time. And if that's not going to be there consistently, you got to me, that's where Minnesota could potentially change a lot of their season, get the tight ends more involved. It's the last thing people are looking for, but. The problem is with that though, is you take away a blocker. So you already have issues, you know, stopping the linebacking and the defensive ends. And now you take away another blocker on the line. But I mean, I think it's more of just the, what kind of scheme you run, you know, if you have that tight end involved or not. No doubt. Predictions for the game. I think it's going to be a low scoring close game. Um, like Matthew said, if Iowa's best assets to run, defense and our best asset is our running offense um I think those two ends are just gonna butt heads and we're gonna have a one score I would say maybe 17 21 or something like that um go for swing he's I'm watching Matthew doing the calculations in his head right now <laughs> yeah so currently uh Vegas has Iowa at three and a half point favorites at the bank. Really? Yeah. And so I, I agree with Peter. It's going to be kind of a, a kind of a, you know, dogfight type situation probably won't be terribly high scoring. I'd go a little bit higher than what Peter said. I'd say somewhere in the area of 28, 24 could go either way, but I'm going to go with, I'll go with the Gophers. I think, they played well in the second half against Maryland for the most part, and then they played well against Illinois after the stinker against Michigan. So I think they might be trending in the right direction, but Friday's going to be a good test. Yeah, and I agree with literally exactly what you two both said, um, especially with it being a little chillier in the air, especially with an outdoor stadium. Not that Iowa isn't used to that by any means. It gets cold in Iowa too, but you're going to see a lot of running a lot of running the ball and if our defense can hold up, which if we saw it on the run, I mean, we're going to have to have a, either a sophomore or redshirt freshman quarterback beat us. I mean, we have the advantage in wide receivers and in quarterback play. So if Mo can do enough to, you know, make Iowa think the ball, like respect the run and have to play defense against the run, I think that we can do enough in the passing game, whether our defense holds or not, that we can outscore them. I mean, it's going to be tough because it's going to be cold, but I mean, Rashad Bateman is a, you know, 
a top 15 pick in the draft potentially. So cold shouldn't affect him. I, I think the Gophers, I mean, I think it's close cause we probably miss a field goal or two, but I think they got it. You know, I'll say 27 missing that extra point. Uh, 27, 27, 20 Gophers book it. Okay. I think there's going to, I think there's going to be a weird play in there somewhere. Yeah. So I'm going 23-21 Iowa with the safety in there somewhere. And the, and the only – like, I'm just doing this just to do it because there's three Minnesota fans on there. Um, I think I think that I'd, I was going to go um, – I think it's going to be really high scoring. I, I think in a COVID year, two teams or, you know, a team like Iowa that you'd expect the defense to be solid. Um, I think Ibrahim uh, – I think that he'll break it up enough that that uh, Minnesota will be able to air it out, and I, I think that uh, I think it's going to be really high scoring, which is not what you would expect necessarily from these two teams. But in this year, in those conditions, I think it's going to be weird. But for the sake of this, twenty three, twenty one, Iowa. Do we see Do we see PJ Fleck break the Lance Speed record and run out of the field again like we did last year? What do we think about that? Is he gonna is he gonna be running out or no? Like in, for the tunnel? No. Do you remember last year we got a we didn't get a Iowa get, had a pretty dirty hit and it was probably should have been targeting and nothing was called and yeah yeah Coach Fleck got penalized for it because he went onto the field too fast for, I don't know it was bullshit but I remember when we recorded or you might have said something to me you're like dude I think he could beat Usain Bolt in a race so. Yeah. Be curious to see over-unders uh, one and a half times that PJ, you know, sprints out of the field, but we'll see. So, Okay. Um, well, let's move on because I finally uh, – we can talk about my guys again a little bit. Um, yep, they're playing Michigan this week. Uh, it's going to be a – it's a real question mark test for both teams, right? So Wisconsin's coming out of COVID. No one really knows how sick or if anyone that will contribute to the team that is back, like if they were sick or asymptomatic, that's not really being released. So you get what we saw from one game uh, in a very impressive quarterback performance. The first question you have going into this week is, is he that good or was that game a fluke? Was that game something that's going to be, you know, just an outlier? So I think that'll be interesting to watch. Michigan, obviously, they at this point have nothing to lose. Jim Harbaugh has got his pants got to be feeling hot. I, I I know that I know that he just ha- like hasn't lost that many games, but the expectation in coming there was so 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 high, and it's just kind of been the same feeling for the last seven years. So I'd be curious to see what happens there, but. Um, Wisconsin's got a lot to prove because they don't have any games to play around with. So if they want to sniff the the playoff or, you know, a t- or a New Year's six uh, bowl game, th- they're pretty much going to have to work every team that they play for the rest of the year. So uh, I think you'll see Wisconsin come out and try to prove a point with the numbers just because they have to run their numbers up if they want to prove that they're better than a team that got to play 10 games. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, what do you guys think? Well, my, go ahead, Matthew. My main, my main question was who's starting at quarterback for Wisconsin? Is it going to be Graham? Yeah. He's good to go. 
if I, that because that swings my my opinion a, a big amount. So I believe that tomorrow is his first day of clearance that would put him past the 21 days. So assuming that he has a two negative tests or whatever a negative test tomorrow before practice, and they consider him good in the reps wise for walkthroughs and stuff this week. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be starting. Uh, I don't know what Jack Cohn's timetable looks like or whatever, but if he's still not on there, so it would be either Graham Mertz or Danny Vandenboom. Uh, stark, very, very, very stark contrast in abilities. <laughs> I uh, I just feel like this is just a big. Uh... I would normally think that this would be a letdown game for Michigan, but I can't feel like they can be let down more than they have been already. <laughs> I I just think that it, I don't know where Michigan's supposed to go from here. Like they might come, they might be competitive for the first half, first couple quarters. I eventually think Wisconsin will pull away, maybe two touchdown win for the Badgers. I know they haven't played or practiced in two, three weeks or whatever it is, but yeah, I got to think that they've been at least thinking about football and not playing better than, you know, getting gashed by Michigan State and Indiana back-to-back weeks. Yeah. Spence? Um, well, I think that the the players are going to have to bring their own their own pep talk because I know Paul Chris isn't going to give them a good one in the <laughs> locker room before the game, but I think you'll see a very typical, um, a, a typical Badger game. I mean, obviously with the addition of merits, Mertz, Mertz, it Mertz, Mertz, well, the addition yeah. of Mertz, you kind of have that new, like quirky kind of funk into the Badger system where, you know, they're not afraid to air it out, open up a little bit. Um, but I think with Michigan too, like it might be one of those games where, you know, the Badgers have kind of had their number in the last couple of years, definitely. And I think it'll be interesting to see, obviously, Illinois, as the Gophers just proved they're not that good. I mean, if there was – whatever, if there's any doubt, I feel like that game would have been a lot closer than it was. And the Badgers kicked their ass week one. Now, I think that a lot of – or some at least of what has happened to Michigan in Camp Randall has to do with the students and the atmosphere and everything. And I think it'll be interesting to see how the Badgers respond. As Matthew said, you know, they haven't – they haven't played in two to three weeks. I'm sure, again, they've been thinking about it. I know they've been having Zooms, all that stuff, you know, doing, doing virtual walkthroughs, everything, all that's good. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see when a true, like, true, because, again, you don't know. But when a Michigan team comes in there and there isn't students, there isn't a rabid fan base, you know, how, that, how that's going to affect them when it's not in Illinois. Yeah. Who's to say? I don't know. I still think they win because I think that they're, you know, a top, 10 to 15 team in the country, but I think it'll be, it'll be, that'll be a good test. I mean, that'll really show kind of where, where they're at and if they can truly go six and zero and get to the big 10 championship game or not. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, the way the timetable worked out, the, um, the team resumed activities on Monday or, you know, they had like a week and a half hiatus like yesterday so, or yeah. Okay. Like just so, but you know, obviously the people that were out and that contracted it, even after the first initial wave, like they're still waiting to come back, obviously. Um, so that'll be something to watch out for. But I think like, uh, like you said, uh, 
it'll say a lot about if this Wisconsin team is actually good, if they can do a week of practice with pretty minimal contact. It sounds like they're not, other than maybe a walkthrough late in the week, they're not going to put the whole group together much, if at all, or, you know, for obvious reasons. Right. So it'll be interesting. You'll see is Paul Christ and Jim Leonard, are they really that good at coaching that they can do a, uh, or, you know, they can do a week turnaround in in-person contact. And then I, I like you guys both said as well, is Graham Mertz that good that he can miss all this time and go, yeah, let me tear up a, a, a Don Brown and Jim Harbaugh defense. Don Brown. Right. That's, that's their defense coordinator. I think, right. I have no idea what their, what his name is, but every time that Michigan plays, I swear he takes up most of the airtime for the sideline. Yeah. Things. And I don't know if it's because of his mustache. Cause that thing's a beauty kind of like the one Peter's well, growing, but the, the reason I, the reason I bring that up and obviously his stats are going to change, but at Boston college, uh, eight to six years ago, top 10 defense in the country. Every single year at Michigan since then, top 10 defense in the country. So that's why I say with this limited amount of practice and with the Badgers needing to run up the numbers, it'll be interesting. I don't think Michigan's offense is good. I think it'll be a matter of can Wisconsin put up or, you know, get past Michigan's defense. So um, score predictions, Peter or Peter, what what do you got on it? I haven't been watching Michigan at all since that first week when they played the Gophers, and they looked good that week. Obviously, they're coming off a tough loss to Michigan State and Indiana. Indiana, right? Yes. Um, yeah. but, well, you know, Indiana's not really a tough loss anymore, agreed? Yeah. Because Indiana, I think, is yeah. pretty good. Oh, now they're wagon. Indiana bandwagon now. Um, so, it's, I think it would be hard. Have, so, Wisconsin just started practicing yesterday. That's my understanding. Ah, man, it's kind of hard for me to go against Michigan. Um, I think Wisconsin is a better team, but being out of practice, I think that's going to really be tough on them. Um, So I want to say Michigan. um, I'm not sure the score. Maybe two scores. Let's go two touchdowns. We'll go 16 points. I go for two twice, too. Matthew Spencer, number predictions? Yeah, I got, I think, um, I mean, kind of after just talking about it and thinking about it here, you know, obviously the Badgers bring back a very experienced, talented defensive unit. And I think that helps them against, you know, the Michigan offense. But I almost wonder if the Michigan offense is a little bit more experienced and if they'll be able to, and again, they've been playing the last two weeks, if they'll be able to handle like bouncing back and going, you know what, like, they're not at, you know, we were prepared. We've been preparing all this shit, whatever. And with the Badgers, like with Don Brown's defense, I mean, you just talked him up with a freshman quarterback, some young wide receivers. I mean, they have the two, was it Grochek and who's uh, their other running back? Watson. Yeah. I mean, those guys, you know, they're young. Well, Grochek has been there for a couple of seasons, but, you know, I almost wonder if it comes down to which offense can score e- can get past that hump, I guess, you know, they're going to, they're both teams are going to get, I would say 14, you know, easily. And then it's going to come down to who can outscore them 21 to 28, 31 ish range. So, I mean, I, it's tough to pick against the Badgers just because they're, I mean, they, they looked awesome against Illinois, but I just, I don't know. I, 
I feel like it's going to come down to the wire in like 34, 31 Michigan. Got to go with them just because I don't like the Badgers. So, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, it could go either way and maybe, you know, who knows, Wisconsin might come out and kick their ass. It'll be 35, seven, but we'll see. Matthew. I think this is going to be first half is going to be slow and it's going to be sloppy just because Wisconsin hasn't played in however long. And then Michigan is just slow and sloppy. Um, (laughs) And I like Wisconsin's chances solely based on their defense is just Michigan's going to have a tough time moving the ball, a tough time putting points up. I think it's going to be somewhere in like a seven point range for three, three and a half quarters. And then I think eventually Wisconsin adds one at the end and I go Wisconsin 27, 13. All right. I'm, that's more of the, like, like I, I, I get it, Spencer. I get what you're saying. And I know that you had to pick Michigan and that's the way it is. But (laughs) um, I think, I think it'd be a good game to, to rely on the defense. You know, you'd never want, you never want to have to go into a game and rely on the defense, but on defense, when you know that you're already pretty solid, you don't need as much practice to play defense. If you, if you have a, a bunch of guys out there that are, just like flying around, then that's fine. And Jim Leonard, for the most part, runs a pretty simple defense. They're just very good at doing it together. So I think Michigan's going to have 10 points, um, and I think Wisconsin's going to have 28. And just a quick thing to add to your defensive thing, I think that, you know, with offense, a lot of that is muscle memory. Like, all right, we need we need to perform so I don't throw an interception, so I don't fumble this handoff or this snap. But with defense, a lot of that I think you can do virtually. So I think that benefits that benefits the, like Wisconsin just because you already know how to tackle somebody. You don't need to do that every week to you know to remember that. It's more of like okay, when I'm in you know the three four, where where on the field do I have to cover? Well, I don't think that's so much muscle memory, but a lot of like mental preparation. And I think you can do that virtually. So, and, and one thing that I just thought about, and then we can get off, uh, you know, we can move on from the Badgers here, but uh, you know, all, all this from here, eh? all from here, eh? um, all the time that they have spent away, it makes you wonder how much film they were able to watch on other teams. So on, sure. their de- on defense, they might be nasty if you think at it, or, you know, if you think about it from that point, or, you know, if they've had, all this time or, you know, that they would have spent in pads practicing just on film per se, or, you know, just hypothetically speaking, I don't know. It'll be a prove it game for Jim Harbaugh and it'll be a prove it game for Wisconsin's hopes at creeping back into the top of football. So yeah. um, one thing, one thing quick, since we're talking <laughs> about the Badgers and COVID, we got to talk about Notre Dame and them uh, storming the field. Oh. Thought that was absolute. What a wild scene! I mean, come on, you beat Clemson, and there were just kids pouring out. I was like, no, idiots! You were blowing, you were blowing the chance for Notre Dame to make the college football. Like, you were literally, you just had one of the biggest wins in the last five to 15? ten years oh, for yes. Notre Dame, right? And, yeah. and you potentially blow a championship season. And I just, I cannot believe that they did that. And two, did you see they're making every student who was at the game get a test? 
Yep. And if they don't get tested, if they fall, if they say no, they can't register for classes. I think that's yeah. that's a crazy strategy too. Well, I mean, they it okay, so the well, A, they I mean, just absolutely wild that like you 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 know, it's just absolutely wild to think that, hey, we're going through all this. We have to wear a mask at a football game, which I agree with. I think that if you're gonna have people there to begin with, then you can definitely just wear a mask. But let's pour the 10,000 fucking people that were in the crowd and say, fuck it. Let's go to the only source of entertainment that we have right now. Or, you know, if you're a sports fan, per se, let's hop on the field and say, fuck it. I was watching it live, and I, I go, I'm like, thinking in my head, I'm like, huh, I wonder if they're going to storm the field. And I go, nah. They, you know, they gotta know. They gotta know better than even, even though it's a big win. Now I'm like, well, geez, they're ranked third. Why would they storm the field anyways? It's not like that. That's another thing that should be yep. talked about, but we can save that for a different episode. <laughs> Peter, but, Peter, do you see the, any of that, or do you watch? The, well, <laughs> sorry, just wait. But this is like the first year that Notre Dame hasn't been like. Like, this is the first year that, to me, have lived up to, like, their actual preseason rank. Like, I think they're actually a good football team for once, and it might all go down the drain because they couldn't stay off the field. So funny. Anyways, Peter? No, I didn't watch the game. Um, I think that was the same night that they called the election, so I was just paying attention to all that stuff there. Fair enough. But what? What? why – might they lose their championship season? Um, is it because players might get sick or what's going right. on? Right. So I, there's nothing definitive. And if all the players come back negative, then it really doesn't matter. But I mean, 10,000 people, you got to assume a couple of them are asymptomatic or mm. have it and they don't know it. And I, it's just, it was just a crazy scene. I mean, Matthew, you and I were watching that game and we literally were like, holy shit, is this actually ha- Like, is this actually going down here? What's, what are we doing here? People like, it was uh it'll be a, a a gut check test for do masks work or not because I, I will give them credit most every picture and video i've seen everyone was wearing a mask so i like uh who is it chip kelly his post uh post game interview he's like he's like yeah i saw a few people coming onto the field so i was just concerned about getting to the tunnel <laughs> yeah chip well, I mean, they should uh, put a, uh, an announcement out in the stadium with X amount of time left in the game or, you know, at the last block or, you know, at the last block of stoppage of time. Hey, please don't storm the field. Oh, you could jinx it, dude. Can't jinx that. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> in a time like this, I, I, right, right. who knows? But anyways, can we get into some Big Ten hockey or anything more to cover on football? Bot, you got any tidbits? Got any betting tips for anybody? Me or Matthew? No, Matthew. Tips? No, the the board for this week is abysmal. Yeah. In my opinion, there's not a lot to work with. Wisconsin's oh. four point favorite Ugly. on uh, Saturday. That's a shit. That's like that's one of the betting numbers I hate the most. Four. Anything from three and a half to five and a half is. Don't bother. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, um, right before hockey, quick, give me my uh, – Peter, you're going to have to insert some CBS, CBS uh, SEC music here. You know what I'm talking about? 
That? Yeah, you know what that... Is that possible? Anyways, we're going to have Spencer's SEC minute here. Um, my Florida Gators kicked Georgia's ass, and it was awesome. And then Dan Mullen, with his mask, went up into the crowd and was just living it up with the students. I thought that was hilarious. One. Two, Georgia, there was, an, um, there was a car crash, car accident of a hit in this game. Kyle Pitts, tight end for Florida, came over the middle, caught the ball, secured it. Georgia dude came in, total targeting, head-to-head helmet. Helmet flew off of the Georgia guy. He fell onto onto Kyle Pitts. <coughs> Pitts was just kind of laying there, you know, not, you know, he's just chilling. And he kind of lays there for a second, and the Georgia dude's on top of him, and he kind of lays there like, yeah, you know, whatever, God, get up. Guy doesn't get up, but he kind of is like, yo, like, get off of me, right? Dude, like, doesn't move. So Georgia dude, man, finally stands up or one of the Georgia players kind of gets him up and he just kind of like sits there and is just staring like. But he had no like, idea where he yeah, was. Guy was to- completely just did not know where he was at all. He got taken off the field. Another ugly injury was, uh, was that Georgia's tight end, Matthew? Snapped his ankle, crossing the goal line. Oh, it's disgusting. Yeah, he caught a he caught a touchdown. They didn't even call. Actually, he didn't catch a touchdown. They ruled him down at the one, which was just brutal, just terrible. I was do it to a kid, but he he snapped his ankle pretty bad. That was disgusting. And then, yeah, Kyle Pitts is out for a couple games. Well, Florida probably isn't going to play because Arkansas has a lot of cases going on. Yeah, right the, now. the SEC's uh, they're kind of all shutting down the way it sounds. They they got some issues. Uh, but yeah, uh, Matthew. I guess quick before we move on from Big Ten football for but sure. Anyway, yeah. So go Gators. Gators are going to the playoff. Uh, do you have one game that you are for sure betting this week from the Big Ten? I from the Big Ten or just in general? Uh, one from the Big Ten if you are betting any, I guess, and one not from the Big Ten. Doesn't have to be football either, I guess. Mm-hmm. So something from the Big Ten that I liked, other than the Gophers because I'll bet them regardless, but uh, Northwestern minus three on the road against Purdue. I like that one. I like the, I like the way Northwestern's not necessarily like playing, but I like their style so far, if that makes sense. Not they're, so fast, my friend. They're just oh, like, they're boy. boring teams to death. Okay. Lee just, Cor- slipping in touchdowns when yeah. the other team's not looking essentially. I think Lee Corso wants to make an appearance on the show. Uh no, I got nothing. I just oh, to say that not so touchdown. fast, my friend. Um yeah, I don't think that's a horrible bet. I would have liked it a lot more if it was at Northwestern on that mm-hmm. shitty ass field. Ugh. But um Big Ten hockey, Friday night, my boys are back. They uh they open the season against Against Notre Dame, which is going to be uh, uh, a tall task. Some might say uh, the Big Ten, I mean, up and down the board, ranked all over the place. The Big Ten is going to be an absolute wagon of a conference this year with the addition of Arizona State. Uh, so, Wisconsin, right? Playing at Lebon. We talked about that a few episodes ago. So, they're going to, you know, hockey's going to be fast in that arena. Mm-hmm. You know. But uh, Wisconsin, I 
I don't think enough people listen to this show that it matters, but I, I have the lines for this week that have not been released yet. Shall we, shall we talk about them? Please do. All right. Give me one second. Um, but one thing that was released by uh, Tony Granado that he said to the media this week, uh, look, where you know, obviously one thing that we can expect and we talked about in the summer kind of, or, you know, leading into this, uh, with the experience now of these, the, of all the talent that they brought in last year, he said, don't look for the, the crazy flying around nonsense. Like he said, it's going to look way different than it did last year, which we talked about in pretty, you know, extensively that it had to change because clearly they were not winning in that fashion. So um, top line, they got Linus Weisbach. I know you like him, Spencer. Oh yeah, dude's a, dude's a just a great. Uh, he's going he's going left wing top line and Ty Pelton Bice. Uh, he's playing center on the top line and then Cole Caulfield playing right wing. Love the move to put Ty Bice with those uh, with Linus and Cole Caulfield. Ty Bice is never never ever looking to score first. Not once is he ever looking to score first. Putting a center with two guys who love to score usually works out pretty well. Um, you know, especially when you're passing to the Big Ten uh, points leader from last year. Mm -hmm. um, second line, uh, Roman Ashan, my dog, Dylan Holloway just got drafted 14th overall. Um, and then US, USHL points leader from last year, Sam Stange. He's coming in to play right wing on the, on the second line. So you'll have a, a young kid in there with uh, two still pretty young kids. Um, and then uh, the last few lines he said that are, you know, those two are set. And so on the last few he said on offense are going to be uh, jumbled up and that's still up in the air. But he said that you'll look to see more time from the most exciting player on Wisconsin to watch, uh, Dominic Mersh. Uh, so it sounds like he's going to get more time out there. They're looking for a little more, um, you know, to get a rat out there. Mm -hmm. You know, they have the scoring. They don't need that. They need someone with some grit. So um, that's, that's things to, things to look for from Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Um, they play at six thirty Friday night, I want to say, but um, I don't know. We're going to find out right away what this uh, big 10 hockey season looks like for everyone, because with no non-conference games for anyone, um, we're going to find out early. Uh, what do you guys yeah. Uh, what are you guys looking for this year um, from Minnesota? Well, Peter, I know you're a big hockey guy, so we'll, we'll talk to you first about what you think the Gophers are going to do. This is a year I fall in love with hockey, I promise you. Um, not... Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> okay, here, ready, Peter? This is a, an unbiased Minnesota thing to look out for for Minnesota this year. Sammy Walker Sammy. got the C, got the C this year. He's captain, right? Um, he is on the list uh, with Cole Caulfield for projected first team, all big 10. Another thing to look, you know, so obviously he's like the, if you're a window shopping hockey fan and you watch Minnesota, Sammy Walker is very fun to watch, and he is very, very good. Another thing to watch out for, Matska, their coach, 
I think he's, uh, you know, he got the credit coming from St. Cloud that he was a good coach and he could turn programs around. No one really thought that he was going to come into Minnesota and do it right now, right here. I mean, he doesn't even have his full guys yet. And he said, fuck it, let's ball. They're projected to win the Big Ten. So I think, can he coach as well as he did leave ending last year? And is that, is that the truth? Is this the, is this the Minnesota we're going to see from now on? Which I, the country needs Minnesota to be good at hockey. The Big Ten loves when Minnesota's good at hockey because then the whole conference, along with Wisconsin, I'd say, which those are two teams who have not been stellar the last couple of years. Right. They go hand in hand. I think, you know, I think that's what you're kind of trying to say. Like, the, if the Badgers are good, that's good for the Gophers. If the Gophers are good, that's good for the Badgers because it's just a natural rivalry. I mean, it's geographic. It's WCHA. It's – it's historical. It's everything you need. Now, Matthew, I know you're not a huge hockey guy, but what do you do? You see, do you want to talk about the Gophers? Do you have any any tidbits? Because I got a lot to say, and I want a couple of your guys' opinions on something. But I'll let you have your first say. Yeah, the only thing that I really have for the for hockey would be what you guys just said is be nice for Minnesota to be to be back to where they were back in you know back in the day or whenever it was, it's like, <laughs> yeah, or whenever they were good, you know, <laughs> whenever they were good. It's uh, it's kind of like the, like college football needs someone from the PAC 12 to be good at football. And they need, they need 2004 USC back type deal. Other than that, I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, okay. what were you going to say right before, right before Matthew started there? Oh no, I, I was saying, I see a Blackhawks, uh, Oh yeah, Matthew's a big Chicago sports guy. We gotta we gotta talk about your manager, but go for hockey quick. So the captains, Sammy Walker's wearing the C, Brandon McManus wearing the A, Ben Myers wearing the A. Not no really surprises there, but you know who the third alternate captain is? Yeah, and I hate it. The goaltender Jack Lefontaine, which I think is awesome. Have your goalie as an alternate captain. I mean, Sammy Walker, you know, he likes to mix it up every now and then. He talks some shit. Have your cat, your co your cat, your co captain, your alternate captain, right? Let's say Sammy gets gone. He gets ejected, put in the sin bin. Now you got to have somebody go talk to the refs. Who are you going to have? You got to have the goalie go and talk to him. It's a nice break in the game. It gets him nice and loose. You know, bring it back. Instead of doing the old squirt bottle, watch, it, watch a few water things drip down. You go talk to the ref. You talk it over with the boys, say, hey, man, maybe uh, maybe watch out what's going on in the crease because I know you got my boy Sammy Walker for whatever, chirping, and, you know, that's okay. But in the crease, I'm getting beat up. I mean, what, what am I supposed to do out there? I'm sweating like a grease monkey. Like, I can't – you expect me to hold on to a, to a goalie hockey stick and a waffle board? I mean, one might just come out. One might, I might shin somebody with, with the waffle board. I don't know. Okay, on the on, – yes, hilarious – on the reverse effect of giving your goaltender a captain or, you know, a patch, it leaves a lot more room to chirp the shit out of him if he's getting scored on. Because, well, all I'm saying is that leaves a lot more room to, like, get your shit chirped because, like, you think of, like, historically goalies who wore the C. Not many. Martin Brodeur, I think, was one of them. Well, I know he wore – he might have wore the C. Can't remember. But – there you know, it's pretty rare, pretty rare air he's living in. So Bob Motzka either better be right in what he's seeing or uh, La Frontaine, La, La Frontaine. La Frontaine. 
Laugh a native of Mississauga, Ontario. Now, let's check this out. Oh, boy. He'll be just the eighth Gophers goalie to serve as a team captain in the program's 100-year history. And this is what Bob Motzke had to say about all four of these guys. We really feel good about having these guys leading the room, and each of them should be proud to be voted as captains by their teammates and to join a group of some truly legendary players that have come through this program. That being said, we might have four guys with letters in their chest, but we need 27 leaders this season. We know this year is going to be a little different in a lot of ways, so every guy in the locker room needs to be a leader on and off the ice. If we do that, we would have a chance to do some special things this year. I mean, you, you just love to see your coach saying that, wouldn't you say, Matthew, Peter? Absolutely. You yeah. always want the coach to have Absolutely. have the teams back, right? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, uh, one thing too to point out: that last year they didn't have an actual captain, so I mean, it was clear that Sammy Walker was probably the leader on the team. Like that wasn't a question. Last year, I believe they kept four A's, two C's, and two A's. Two C's, okay. Yeah, I knew it wasn't singular. Or, you know, he no one stood alone. So I mean, uh, you love when to the eye when the fan favorite or when the visual pleaser is also proving that he should be the, the captain by himself. He is right. that guy. He is the guy. So you love to see that. Um, you know, if we want to talk Wisconsin captains for a sec, we classic Wisconsin, and we're not going to give it to our best player. We're going to give it to fucking meat, you know, the meat and potatoes guy who's probably everyone's going to hate to play against him. I know for a fact that, well, Spence, do you like Ty Emerson? I can't remember if that was a uh, – I don't even uh, remember meeting that guy, honestly. Well, anyways. I'm sure he's a great pick for a captain. I mean, if he – I'm just saying, like, you know, it, I, I trust if it, it. If it says anything, he got kicked out of the most hockey games, I think, in uh, the whole NCAA last year. Well, maybe that's not such a great pick then. But. <laughs> well, some of the calls were questionable, but, uh, you know, the grit is there. So i love to see that. And obviously I think he'll change the way he plays a lot this year with uh, um, with Kalinuk and Miller not being there. So him sure. on the back end, he'll have to play a way different game. Um, but uh, one thing that we talked about in uh, the, the last time we talked about Big Ten hockey um, – we talked about Penn State being good and really being on the on the come up in the uprise. Well, the coaches poll came out, which is usually a pretty accurate telltale sign in hockey, at least. Or, you know, the coaches poll in NCAA basketball and football is not always, in my opinion, the most true gauge of whatever. But in hockey, I think it's pretty uh, – most of the coaches are pretty humble and pretty correct. Uh, Penn State's dead last, which really surprised me to see the coaches poll come out and have them at last. So obviously we, I, they lost their stud goaltender. So that immediately um, hurts, but I think that they lost eight seniors and we didn't talk about that last time when we were talking about them being really good. And when you're that good with eight seniors, oof, that's tough. So um, any thoughts on that Spencer uh, and, no, I mean, you pretty much said everything that can be said, you know, you lose eight seniors and that's going to, you're going to struggle with even in a game like hockey where it's, you know, even though you're all th three lines, if you got that first line that's dominant in college, it really doesn't matter how many guys you got behind you. Um, and so, you know, losing that leadership, losing those dudes, I'm sure it's not going to be easy, but you know, it seems like they have a pretty good base, pretty good coaching staff. So I think they will be all right. 
I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know who's going to finish seventh because the Big Ten is just kind of a crapshoot in hockey, I feel like. But, you know, it's never good, like you said, when you lose a bunch of dudes. But uh, you know who, who didn't lose this week, right? Who? The Badgers in football. The Packers. Also the Packers. Hey, real quick before we move on to that. Um, the Big Ten, um, Big Ten Network and NBC Sports Network, did a, a massive job and a massive deal today or yesterday um, that's going to get a shitload of these Big Ten hockey games televised. Let's go. Which is huge for the game of hockey and really big for Big Ten uh, hockey because it's pretty notoriously been not that uh, easy to watch on, or, you know, on TV to find. So, whatever. Uh, but, yes, our boys – well, minus Peter – uh, the, pa- the Packers looked, uh, they looked nice again. <laughs> uh, I'm happy for you guys. W- what'd you guys think? That was a rough two weeks. Well, let's bring, let's bring Matthew in on this. Cause I think collectively he's probably the biggest Packer fan that we have right now, or at least I would say the most knowledgeable stats wise. So, uh, so Matthew, what would Marcus framed it? Well, what do you think about this? Well, it was, it was nice to finally get a win against San Francisco. Granted, you know, there was no Jimmy G. There was no Kittle, no Coleman, Moser, no, you know, Debo Samuel, no uh, Brandon Ayuk. They were missing their entire offense, essentially. And, uh, but as, as I was watching it, you know, it's in, in San Francisco, they're wearing their classic reds, Packers and white, those, the colors on the screen just bring back a lot of like bad memories, <laughs> not just from 2019 and those two games, but also back when Kaepernick was doing it to us in 2012 and 2013. It was, it was, it was just a, you know, you get flashbacks and it's, and they're not fun because you, they all are you getting your ass kicked by San Francisco. So I think it was nice to, to do that in the way that they did it. And yeah, there were, there was still some things left out on the field. Darnell Savage missed uh, what should have been an easy interception. The Packers are having a lot of trouble defensively pressuring the quarterback and getting takeaways, which hasn't hurt them so far because they haven't been turning the ball over like at all. But Preston Smith had a decent game. He's been having a rough year. He was getting, Pressures on Mullins. He was he is on the uh, the quarterback hit on the interception by Raven Green. So the defense did look a little bit better. The run defense still looked bad to me. McKinnon was hitting the edge anytime they went outside zone or pitched outside. It was seven, eight, nine, ten yards. But the offense looked really good, and the the 49ers missing Richard Sherman for the whole year but their defense isn't nearly as banged up as their offense is. So it was good to, to put up 34 points and it was Monte Adams is unstoppable. And he's the best receiver in football. I agree. He's, he's got the best combination of skills out of anyone. And Aaron Rodgers, I was, uh, when uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling had that drop in the third down, I think it was in the first quarter, I told Spencer we were watching, I said, he's not getting the ball thrown to him for the rest of the day. But Aaron went right back to him. He ended up with two touchdowns. It was 
a good move on uh, Rogers' part, and it was a good, good rebound for MVS to come at, back for that. And I think all around it was a, it was a good win, especially with Jacksonville coming up on deck. It's something that we could have easily kind of dropped and said, oh well, we can rectify this next week with Jacksonville. But it was a good win to get in. I was proud of the way that they did it too. Yeah, I think uh, Spencer. Before you uh, go in, I think uh, that you know, like you said, getting MVS those touches and not going, not going. I mean, he obviously had Rogers had to see something that he knew he was going to have an opportunity to score more points, even throwing to MVS again. Like, typically, you know, classic pass Rogers. You drop one ball, but I think he dropped two before he got thrown to again. You drop one, you typically don't get thrown to a lot. So the fact that not only was he throwing to you again, but he was airing it out to you or, you know, letting you go make a play, that says a lot. Um, I think uh, the offense will only get better with a completely healthy Aaron Jones and with Lazard back. So, Yeah, Um, well, you know, typically, like you said, Aaron Rodgers kind of pulls a classic Jensen. You make an error for me in a video game, I'm going to bench you. whether you're the MVP or not. And, you know, Rodgers does pick and choose usually when he does that. But I'm going to say the haters are sick. They didn't want to see MVS have any catches. They didn't want to see him score any touchdowns. And look what he did. He said, hey, haters, peace. I'm doing this for myself. I'm getting some scores. I'm getting some yards. I'm getting some catches. And that's exactly what he did. And then you got Devontae just doing Devontae Adams things. I mean, just being an absolute stud out there. And I know San Francisco's beat up and all this other, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Aaron Rodgers wears a backwards hat. And Colin Coward, you know, thinks he's washed up. But, man, Aaron Rodgers looking good. Um, The defense, still not great. But, I mean, they did what they had to do against San Francisco, a hurt team, a bad, banged-up offense. They didn't give up very many points. So, for my money's worth – Great game for the Packers. As Matthew said would have been a typical game where we go, you know what, we got Jacksonville next week. You know, we're gonna we're gonna try to win, but if we don't, that's okay. Nah, they said nope. Fist down on the table. We're doing this. They did it. They get a win. They look good. Six and two, not not a bad record at all. Don't hate our losses either. I think I think that Vikings loss looks better and better every week that the Vikings <laughs> continue to win. And I'm okay with it. And plus, the Vikings, they played us, windy at Lambeau. So that sets it up perfect for what they do with the ball, and that's pound the rock with Delvin Cook. You know, that minimizes Aaron Rodgers' threat because the ball is windy. You know, it's blowing around, everything. And, you know, I don't want to get into the Vikings too quick, but since I do live in Minnesota, I get to hear a lot of Vikings talk on the radio, and uh, they had brought up an interesting thing. With this Bears team coming up, it'll be pound the rock, classic NFC North football, and I – you know, I'm not a Vikings fan, but I'm pretty sure that the Vikings typically struggle in Soldier Field, Peter. And the Bears' defense is nasty up front. Well, so are we segueing to the Vikings right now? Uh, just real quick, um, my hot take that I had like a month ago when I said Aaron Rodgers is going to win MVP. With with now, now I think it's between, or, you know, Russ is still there, but the interceptions have hurt him. Now hurting him. Now it's now it's between Patrick Mahomes, Russell Will or Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Russ still kind of obviously, 
and uh, what's his face? Josh An- Josh Allen's kind of lighting it up too. Did you but, throw Kyler Murray into that mix? Not yet. Not yet. Close though. Especially since they just lost to the Dolphins. Never mind. I take that back. Kyler Murray sucks. He's a bust. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> it's quick spins on there. But anyways, yep. Uh, let's hear about the Vikings because now uh, your prediction has so far been correct. Yeah, um, I do remember. Did I? I said that they were going to go eight and one for the rest of the season after the Packers dub, didn't I? Um, yeah. Yes. So we're one and zero right now, and um, we're going against the Bears Monday night. Obviously, I'm kind of nervous about that game. Um, the Bears defense is pretty solid. Hopefully, we can keep running the ball well. And looking at the rest of the schedule, um. I, I was going to try to make a blasphemous statement and say the Vikings were going to win the NFC North, but the, okay, don't, don't get ahead of yourself. The Packers right. definitely have a lot easier of a schedule and they're two games ahead. So um, I will not say that. I like, I like where we're headed right now. Um, I think Kirk is playing a little bit better. He's looks a little bit more confident, which isn't saying much. Cause like you send, if you're sending, if Khalil Mack is coming at him this Monday, that's going to be, kind of scary but um I think the past two games he's been playing confident Dalvin Cook has obviously been playing like he could possibly be I don't know how you guys feel about this but offensive player of the year he has what 12 touchdowns leading in rushing touchdowns and I think one receiving touchdown um I'm not sure how many receiving yards he has yet but he is looking great the one thing I am super worried about um is our defense. Obviously, we got rid of Ngakwe. Is that how you pronounce it? Um, And I thought that was like maybe – and I remember that same week Harrison Smith um, unfollowed the Viking social media and stuff, so that kind of got me scared. And I thought that was a signal that we were going to give up on the season, but obviously that's out the window now because we have those wins against the Lions and the Packers. Um, but I think we're in like this weird limbo now where it's like, where do we go from here? Are we good enough to make that playoff push? Which is, I think it's going to be, I don't know how the rest of the NFC. Hey, with, uh, with the expanded playoffs, they, uh, we could potentially see, uh, I don't know more than more than two of out of one division but yeah um here let me look at the nfc nfc really quick so nfc east no one's gonna make it out of there as a wild card um nfc west that's gonna be a tough division obviously there's us and then we have the nfc south um so i think the vikings are gonna have a tough road ahead of them um and are they gonna be able to play at this caliber and make that playoff push now that we've kind of like thrown tanking out the window. Yeah. I'm at right now. Um, but as a, as an unbiased journalist, um, I think the Vikings are going to go undefeated for the rest of the season. Meet the Packers in the championship game. A nice blowout, 54 to three. Jesus Christ. Um, play Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And then everyone will forget Patrick Mahomes' name because Kirk Cousins will throw for ten touchdowns. Um, 
Um, I Paul Allen's head exploding right now listening to that. So I, all, I can't all, imagine that happens. All I see right now is the Vikings and Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins, the look on their stupid face when the first defense figures out how to stop Dalvin Cook because once that happens, the Vikings are trash again. Yeah. So the yeah. second the it, second someone because what he's been putting up like 300 yards of total offense in like the last every game well not literally but some pretty gaudy numbers yeah. in the games that they've been winning so huh you take Dalvin Cook out of the equation and you have a super mediocre offense again you know who's gonna be the person that stops him <laughs> themselves no. be Matthew who's the Bears coach Matt Nagy yeah. And what's he do? Duh! So you're gonna have to look at Matt Nagy's face when he when he beats you. Well, I'm I'm looking at the Vikings' upcoming schedule here, and it's, it's not. Uh, it's Saints. We have Saints, Buccaneers. Those are the like biggest games I'm worried about. Yeah, the next four. So you're at Chicago, and then home against the Cowboys, home against Carolina, and then home against Jacksonville. Yeah. Oh, you guys are going to get eaten alive by Carolina if McCaffrey's shoulder is not busted. Um, I don't think McCaffrey's going to play. Oh, don't say that. Need, need him for fantasy. Need him. He's a big piece of my offense. Uh, well, Robbie Anderson and uh, Moore and Curtis Samuel are going to eat the Vikings defense literally in half. Like they yeah. will they're eat, them, eat all. them in half. They're all they're all sub four four forties. Like sub that four four forties, bro. There, say that one twenty times. Um yeah. No, you're right. I was looking at the schedule and I made I think our toughest games are obviously in the the Buccaneers, but I don't know. The Buccaneers look really bad against the Saints. I don't think the Vikings are the Saints. Um but that made me feel a little bit better about going against them. I think the Vikings always play the Saints well. We got a little bit of a rivalry going now since cause, uh, since the and it's 2009 NFC Championship game. Yeah, your your guys' Super Bowl. I mean, you could take a knee. Last time I ever cried in my entire life. Um, like you said, Marcus, I'm really scared when someone figures out how – to stop Delvin Cook, because I think we said this earlier. I think Mike Zimmer's best game plan is to not let Kirk Cousins touch the ball. Um, <laughs> but I think I think they're complementary. When Delvin's running well, Kirk doesn't have the pressure on him, and then he can like he can make those easy passes. Um, I really like our receiving core. Back to pass, he pumps. Now he fires over the middle, intercepted. All right, so Spencer's done for the rest of the uh, podcast. Um, 37 yard line. You've got to be kidding me. I can't believe what I just saw. Classic. He should have. He should <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I don't know. Paul Allen is so hard to replace, Peter, and I just want to give him the credit due with the way he calls a Vikings game and the enthusiasm he shows in the fanhood. So thank you for letting me. I don't know which NFC Championship game hurts more. Well, what year did we the Vikings play the Eagles? Twenty 
17. 17 or 2009. They both equal <coughs> me. Anyways, um, I'm excited to see what the Vikings do the rest of the season, not to take up too much time. Um, but I think there is a little bit of false hope here. Um, I hope we make the playoffs, but it wouldn't surprise me if I do. Speaking as an unbiased watcher. Yeah, you guys are – like right now, you guys are giving me hardcore uh, Patriots of the NFC vibes. Like – How dare you? Like no one – like I think the Vikings, like on paper, obviously, like have a better team. Mm-hmm. But like what the fuck were the Pats doing last night? Why would they win that game? Like, that was all-time stupid. The Jets or the Jets had the greatest tank sell of all time. Can we talk about that? Yeah. But I think the Jets are just that bad. Like – The team they were playing tried to lose, and they still couldn't beat them. <laughs> I mean, it's like ultimate tank job. Like, that was one of the best sells of a tank I've ever seen probably in my whole life or, you know, so far. Um, do we have any more football stuff that we need to cover? Well, I was going to talk about Trevor Lawrence because um, he's pretty – he hasn't been concrete whether he's staying or if he's going to the draft at all yet, right? Right. He, 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 he just said that on uh, Monday morning again or this weekend that he's not talking about his decision following this year yet. That's going to stay in-house until after this year, which we talked about what – three weeks ago, four weeks ago, that he might stay? Or was it just not that long ago? I don't think about it. Yeah, no, I definitely said that he that there's a decent chance that, or, you know, what if he stays for another year? Maybe it was two or three weeks ago, I think. I think he'd be so dumb to do that. I mean, the injury risk, I don't they, – they were talking about this. People don't want to go to New York anymore because New York, they don't care – our people, our generation, don't care about the history of franchises. Like, nobody wants to go to the Knicks because who cares what they did in the 80s or the 60s. And nobody wants to go to the Jets because all they did was win Super Bowl three and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you're telling me that Trevor Lawrence wants to go to Jacksonville? Why the fuck would you want to go to Jacksonville? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I think he should go regardless, like, to the NFL. I, I don't know why you wouldn't. I mean, you're throwing away a potentially life-changing amount of money. Yeah. You guys remember yeah. Barkley? Yeah. Um, Who? Matt Barkley. Oh yeah. Of course Matthew does. One of the biggest busts. Well, he was he was supposed to come out. He was projected to be a first round pick at in his junior year, but he wanted to come back and win a championship, which is like honorable. But sure. I don't know. I'm I'm never gonna be in that position, seeing as I am not an athlete. I did speech in high school and I play chess now. Um but, <laughs> Yeah, I if I I would I would go and get my money. But do you think if Trevor Lawrence goes and he sees the Jets number one overall, he pulls a Eli Manning slash John Elway? I if if uh, what's his face is still the coach and uh, the GM is still the GM, I would I would definitely do that because the fucking Jets stink and they've done nothing to get better. Like literally, like. Like, it's such a douchebag move, and Eli Manning, it's so easy to say he's an asshole for doing that because of the way his face looks. <laughs> but, like, I – the the Jets have done nothing to show that they want to get better. Okay, so you keep having bad team after bad team after bad team, right? They do nothing to change the front office. 
going to turn into the Browns real quick, in my opinion. Or, you know, they're kind of on that path. It, does, yeah. it doesn't matter how many high draft picks you get if the things and the organization is not also good. Well, Dan Patrick made a really good example, and I think I, I think all of you would agree with this, is it's like winning the lottery. Some people win the lottery, and they get their $5 million, whatever, $75 million, and, you know, it's, they – they pay off their house, they might buy a car, they pay off their kids' college, they pay off their college, and then they either invest it or they put it in the bank or they do other things with it. They, you know, they, they keep it growing they, or they put it away, right? And some people buy or get $75 million and they go, all right, I'm buying a Learjet, I'm buying a limo, and I'm buying a lifetime supply of Keystone Light, and nice. that's it. And they blow it. And, you know, he was saying that's like getting draft picks. Like, if you get draft picks but you don't know what to do with it, then what are you going to do? I mean, who are – look at the quarterbacks that the Browns tried to take. Manziel, Brandon Whedon, um, Brady Quinn. And Brandon Whedon looks like, what, 26? Yeah, like the list goes on. So it's like they're getting handed, you know, a $35 million check, and they blow it instantly. And it's like, well, what did you do with your draft picks? Well, this. Well, that's well, stupid. Well, and that's kind of like that. That's like, well, exactly what I was getting at. Because, like, I don't even think Sam Darnold's a bad quarterback. Like, I don't, I really don't think that he's even that bad of a quarterback. I think Adam Gase is a miserable head coach. I think he's horrible. Um, but then, then too, so you get a healthy Lev Bell, and then you, what, you don't use him, and then they say that he doesn't fit the offense. You change the fucking offense then. Left Bell is too, like Left Bell is too good to say, hmm, let's eat his contract and let him walk. Like, come on. Like that's that's big red flags. That's nightmare. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have anything else on it? Well, Matthew, I gotta ask you, where did Sam Darnold go to school? He was a man of Troy from USC. Oh, Jesus Christ. And uh I told Spencer, I think it was earlier today or maybe last night. And maybe I was off base with it a little bit, but if Sam Darnold was quarterbacking the 49ers last season, they would have been Super Bowl champions. And that's because I think Adam Gase is so, so bad at his job that he's just destroyed Sam Darnold. And it's if going sticking with Adam Gase, going back to the Trevor Lawrence thing, I might just go in now to get my money because I think the Jets are going to be picking first next year too. (laughs) If he sits around for the next draft, maybe gets hurt, maybe, you know, regresses in any way. And then the Jets are still there at the top. Then it's kind of like an entirely wasted year. He could have been making his money with. I would love to see the Jets go 0 and 32. That would be insane. Uh, I mean, Jackson. Uh, I think then we'll get off the Jets, and I think we're pretty close to wrapping up. I have a few more, uh, few more tidbits I'd like to talk about. But um, uh, the Jets, like, why, why have they not fired Adam Gase yet? Or are they? Or do you think that they've already kind of talked to him and said, "Hey, um, we're, we'll eat your contract at the end of the season, or you know, whatever. You do this." But like, like, what's the what's the thought process here? Because they stunk last year. They're even worse this year. They got rid of their best players. Uh, something. I mean, you know, uh, 
you know, what, what's the thought process there as to why they haven't fired him yet? I honestly don't know. Or, do, or, do the, or is the organization literally that shitty that they think he's still the guy? Well, to me, I think that sometimes organizations get, get too much pride in their people. So they bring in Adam Gase and, you know, they build him up and they say he's going to be this dude. He's going to – we haven't been good since, you know, 2012. Mark Sanchez going up against the Colts in the AFC Championship game. We're going to get back to that. He's the dude. He, you know, he blew us away in the interviews, all this stuff. And now you're year three in this. They're 0-8. They look terrible, unorganized, don't have anything going on. They have people to build around. I mean, Perrine is an excellent back. Frank Gore is a good veteran to have for another year, probably two years, three years, the way they he is. They have good receiving core. Yeah, they have Jamison Crowder, uh, Perriman, who was having an absolute great game last night. Their defense was fine, but I think, too, some of it is why – you have to look at why did Jamal Adams, arguably the best safety in the league, want so bad to get out of New York. You can't tell me that it's because it's New York City – because I don't think anybody would complain about being in New York. An athlete in New York City. Right. There's so much going on. There's so much marketability with that, too. And, like, yes, the NFL is marketable anywhere because they're so big and everything in social media. And, like, if you're only going for marketability, you want to go to the Cowboys. But I, I, you have that has to be the root of the question. And I think it has to be coaching or ownership or something. Okay. I, I really don't. Well, I don't right. have an answer. Okay. And Alan, think about it too, to where Jamal Adams went to. He went to a team that he knew fully well wasn't that set up on defense anymore either. So like that proved, like you said, like how sh- like bad of a situation it is in, in, uh, in, in New York. But um, anyways, we can move on from that. So quick update on the, uh, the old big Big 10 Thoughts 2020 Mustache Tournament of Champions. We are in second round with a couple key matchups going on here and a quick update through about one day of voting. We've got Raleigh Fingers kicking ass in his matchup. 10 votes total, 90, 90% to 10%. Dennis Eckersley and Wade Boggs tied up 50-50, so that'll be interesting. That one will come down to the wire. Um, Aaron Rodgers kicking ass again. Doesn't surprise me at all. we got a huge Packers fan base going on there. 17 votes total in that one. Uh, Scott player working on another big upset, Andy Reed, 53 to 47. I mean, you gotta, you gotta love the specialists with the special stash. So got the blonde bomber going, going well there. Uh, John Lucas surprisingly beating Kurt Ramses 60 really? to 40. I'm I, yeah. I mean, it's gotta be his arms, his arms in the flat top with that mustache and the Sonics. I mean, everything just flows. Uh, Dr. J beating Larry Bird. This one has a lot of votes on it, 20 votes, 60-40. So that'll be interesting to see if Dr. J can pull off that upset. Uh, as we move into hockey, we have Dennis, Dennis Marek going up against Dave Babich, which I'm really pulling for Dave here, but he's got a tough matchup. I mean, Mark's just got a classic, classic Fu Manchu going on. And uh, finally, we get to the number one overall seed of the tournament, Lanny McDonald, just dominating Paul McLean 70-30. Uh, so... Keep voting on that one, everybody. Keep retweeting it. Uh, tell your friends to vote for who you like, because obviously you only get one vote on Twitter. But should be a fun thing to kind of keep track of as we push our way through November. So, all right, yeah, and obviously now I don't know. Are you are you keeping a strict? Uh, are you like are you counting a full handlebar for yourself as still in November? Like, are you going to work it down here, or what's up with that? What no, I'm going to stop here for me. I'm going to stop here. I'm going to let this grow in a little bit more, and then I'm just going to keep trimming around. Okay, well, lucky for me, mine doesn't grow past here. It just gets more full. So 
it's you know it's only out from here not not right. down yeah um peter i'm telling you yours is looking good i don't know if that's intentional or you just didn't shave but i like it it gets really gross the longer it goes so well leave it yeah. it's a good thing we get to wear masks in public though right yeah leave it right, come right. on you gotta leave it for the rest of the month you gotta leave it i haven't shaved i think since oh actually i shaved like three days ago but okay well, well, well gotta leave it um anyways i th i think that's it i think we're wrapping this up um yeah, again, thank you to Matthew for coming on. Um, Big numbers guy. Follow us on Twitter at B1G Thoughts. Follow us on Instagram at B1G Thoughts underscore. Um, check out our website, which you can be found on either our Twitter or Instagram. So, yeah, that's Big Thoughts, Big Ten Thoughts for myself, Spencer, Peter, and Matthew. Thanks for listening. Peace, boys. <laughs>